The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Back to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 290. Got a special guest, returning guest to the show to talk some uh, starting pitching, some streaming, some would say. And, oh, wait, it's in his name. Find on Twitter at SP Streamer. Michael Simeone, how we doing, man? Good. What's going on? Thanks for having me on again. And no problem. Glad to have you on again. It's uh, fun getting to chat with you again. And uh, you got a, a couple new articles out recently we'll get to chat about. Um, you know, I know the negotiations don't look great on paper for baseball, but it seems like people are getting more interested in baseball again after kind of a hiatus. So that's always good. How are, uh, what do you got going on over there at SP Streamer and whatnot? Yeah, um, I mean, you know, as you know, the content's kind of drying up a little bit and uh, we're all kind of just waiting to see what actually happens. Um, so, I mean, we're we're still doing some podcasts. We're getting a little bit into like prospects and stuff. Um and then as far as the website, I mean, we're just trying to really start to put out content that's different, I guess. Because, um, I mean, I feel like everything's been talked about at this point. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, you could. there's always more to dive into when it comes to players and, you know, um, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I'm trying to put some different kind of, kinds of articles out to maybe pique some more interest, so. Yeah, no doubt about it. You got a, a little crew you got building over there. You got your daily podcast. There's a, a lot of cool stuff over at SP Streamer. And uh, your, your daily podcast is now at Rotoballer, which is uh, is very fun as well as a fellow Rotoballer myself. So Yeah, yeah. Cool I, I, they're really, I'm, I know we talked about it last time, I think. But, yeah, I mean, I really like the way they run things and everything. And um, they actually reached out to my co-host asking him to join and then – uh, you know, I we kind of brought up to them what about sponsoring our podcast, and they're all about it. So awesome. it's good stuff. Yeah, 
Yep, very good stuff. But let's talk about your uh, recent article. This is a fun one because last time I had you on the show, we talked about kind of your philosophy on streaming and and whatnot there. But now you're trying to like put a formula to the madness, not just looking at the under 30% for the day. You're looking to break it down in more of a, I guess, scientific, statistical approach way <laughs> to it. Um, what really what really got you trying to uh, decide doing this compared to what you had before? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot that I look into when it comes to streaming. And, you know, as we kind of talked about in the past, um, I feel like in order to do it really successfully, you need to look at certain things every single day. And I kind of feel like the average player or person doesn't have that time or uh, maybe that level of interest. So I was thinking maybe I could find a way, you know, just by looking at opponent stats, um, you know, if you could figure out some kind of formula where if you use it most of the time, it, you know, provides good results, then it's, you know, easy for the more casual fan or someone who doesn't have the time to look at pitchers velocities every time they're pitching and stuff like that. So um, that was my main goal was to just kind of try and find something where like someone could be like, Hey, this works. So when I want to stream a pitcher, I'll just try and find an opponent who meets these, this criteria and I'll use whatever pitcher is facing that team. Yeah, I think it was kind of fun how you went through the different, uh, I guess, combinations of stats to approach. And obviously, you know as well as I do, guys that build their own projections and models and everything, they'll use like 75 stats to go to, to break something down. But you're trying to keep it simple for everyone to use type thing. Like, hey, there's these like two or three stats. Use these and they'll get you in the ballpark. And that's what we're we're all about because like as you've admitted before most of us have when you're streaming a picture there's still a very high likelihood things don't go your way yeah <laughs> it's just the way oh, it's yeah. gonna go <laughs> no matter what yeah i mean it's crazy because i mean there's you know there were so many starts and i put in the article like the worst some of the worst and best starts that were in um you know of all the pictures i collected and the information and it's just like you know there are just so many blow-ups and they like kill a lot of the numbers too. Um, but if you could somehow avoid those blowups, then, you know, you're pretty much okay and good to go. But yeah, they're so erratic. And, um, you know, I know it's, it's just funny because they're a lot of them too. Some of them are pitchers who had decent seasons. There's just one or two, two bad starts where they just, you know, they get killed. And I feel like streamers, um, there's not a lot of middle ground with them. I feel like weirdly enough, they either pitch, better than you think or a lot worse than you think <laughs> yep. and um so yeah so it, it was interesting going through and seeing all of it um you know and and even like with teams you know how so many teams can get hot and cold and um you know a lot of teams offenses which i mean most of us know in the beginning of the year they're just not nearly as good as when it is when you know summertime comes so, yeah, I, I like how you put that in there, too, because a, a lot of guys like to just stick to their models and, and you know, we're going to use these stats and evaluate the stats as we see them. But the way you were talking about it, breaking down like two-week in increments, 14-day increments, makes a ton of sense. And it's something I've talked about a lot on the show is I'm embracing stats. I'm learning stats more and more, but I've always been kind of a an eye test, a field guy. I played the game. Like, I'm not to like the highest level, of course, but I played the game so, like, I know how streaks can happen. Like, you're – you're in the zone, and then it just kind of falls apart. You don't know what's going on, and eventually starts clicking again. It's it's a really baseball's a fickle game like that, and so that's an interesting part to it because instead of just going 
hey, we're going to use, you know, WRC plus and these other stats. We're going to also narrow the window down. We're not going to look at the whole season here. We're going to focus on mm-hmm. this window to attack the opponent. I think it's a very important part in this whole process. So uh, what made you just for fun pick two weeks? Yeah, so um, I just felt like you wanted to try and catch teams on hot or cold streaks. And um, I felt like a month wouldn't do it. So I decided to kind of just go with the last 14 days. And, um, you know, the the results were okay. Um, it, it I feel like it kind of depends on how you see things. Mm-hmm. You know, as I put in there, there's, you know, the, the Twitter poll and I asked everyone – uh, what would you be happy with? The majority said a 4.50 ERA, and a, a lot of people did say 4.75 as well. Um, I had some comments, people saying sub four ERA, and <laughs> that just makes me think that you de- like you definitely have not tracked your streamers throughout the year because nope. I would be shocked if you had that great of a result, especially last year when the average was 4.50. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I feel like again, I didn't want to nitpick too much and I included every single pitcher, you know, that mm-hmm. wasn't owned, you know, really owned uh, going based off of my sheet and who I picked last year and kind of, you know, like the really bad guys that everyone knows, like, you know, and, and these include people that, you know, you wouldn't really stream. So like, I feel like if, you use the formula and kind of nitpicked on your own. Like, you know, you're not going to take Antonio Senzatella at home in Colorado, you know? So like by missing those terrible starts and kind of nitpicking, I feel like you could definitely using this formula, get streamer, you know, stream for the year and provide a, you know, sub 4.50 ERA per se. Yeah, I think, I think it's a great tool because, you know, cert- certain days there'll be more guys that qualify than others, but to say just for fun, like on an average day, you'll have three or four guys qualify on this list. And then you see the Coors guy, you can cross them off. Then you see, like, right. hey, Jeff Samars is facing the Dodgers. Yeah, we're going to cross him off. <laughs> yeah, and, then all of a sudden, yeah. and all of a sudden, you got situations like that. You're like, okay, I narrowed it down. But like you're saying, when you gave your your um, your overall numbers, and we'll kind of talk about the different um, stats you used, you know, and it says a total 463 ERA, like you're saying, that's counting the cooler stars. That's counting all yep. these other ones that, if you yeah. like nitpick, as you said, it might be a four one ERA or something, which is really right. good. Like because based on your poll, people are picking quality starts in theory. So right, yeah, um, four point five zero is a quality start. So I felt like I wanted to hit that number overall or get a little under it. Uh, that was my main goal coming into it. I thought I was going to, I didn't. Um, but uh, I mean, just to jump ahead a little bit, I am currently working on now previous seven days instead of previous 14 and I'm only halfway through the season though. And right now it looks like a lot better results, but I got to see what happens. Interesting. Yeah. Obviously I'll I'll put it all out there (laughs) once I'm done. That was one thing I was, that's what I was wondering, like if seven days or even say 21 go the other direction, how how does that affect things? So that that's an interesting way to go about it uh, for sure. And then, like you said, if you really want to be nitpicky, start taking certain things out, you can really fine tune it, but that's hard to do without spelling it out to everybody. Like, Hey, here's what we did. So that that's tricky. And you, um, you targeted offenses based on their stats. Like you use WRC mm-hmm. plus as your main focal point, which makes sense mm-hmm. way to run runs creative plus, uh, like 100 is average above 100. You're very good below 100 starts getting murky. 
and you use 70 WRC plus. So it's not like you even just picked, you know, average guys. Like you picked teams that are struggling and it still came back with a 4.86 ERA. Um, when you started adding different stats to it, what, just if you want to give like your general philosophy on why you pick certain stats to kind of tinker with. Yeah. So, I mean, first I, first off, I want a 70 because I mean, 65 is considered horrible. And I think 75 is considered bad according to fan graphs. And I was actually playing with, I tested all different WRC pluses out and 70 seemed to be the best result as to why I can't really tell you. Like I was shocked. Like I did, I did do it at 65 or 60 WRC plus as well. And it was worse than if you looked at 70, um, which was interesting. I, I think maybe cause I guess maybe because you have, more of a broader scale was 70 and uh, I think 60 was maybe too small of a sample. And that's probably why, but yeah, so I started with testing different thresholds with WRC plus and 70 seemed to be the mark. So I went, you know, further from there. Um, I looked at K percentage just because, you know, obviously when hitters are striking out, that's good for pitchers. Um, that wasn't much better. So then I went to swing strike percentage because again, when pitcher, you know, hitters are, Obviously, missing pitches, uh, that's good as well. Um, but that didn't turn out so well. <laughs> um, I also touched on OPS and ground ball percentage. Uh, I went on ground ball because I wanted to try like a batted ball event. Um, but that didn't end up being too good either. I thought about maybe doing like fly ball percentage, but I decided not to kind of touch on it. Um, so, I mean, I it was kind of me just kind of playing with stuff and just mm-hmm. taking stats that I thought held more substance than the other ones. And um, eventually I landed on WOBA and it was, you know, WRC plus uses WOBA or WRC does. And I thought, you know, maybe WOBA would be good because they obviously kind of correlate with each other. So maybe I'll take out some of the outliers and um it kind of ended up working, um, you know, it dipped down to 4.68. And then obviously everyone knows home field advantage helps pitchers, especially bad ones. And, uh, and then once I added that, it dropped to 4.63. Yeah. The home field advantage is a big one because we've, like you said, it helps pitchers. We've seen that time and time again, where teams play much better at home. That's why they call it home field advantage for a reason. Um, there's, there's a lot to like about that, especially with certain ballparks that come into play. So that, that's a very intriguing one. And, uh, you know, four six three, like you said, and your 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 write up is still pretty darn good, and it's pretty close to four five. And then again, take out the nitpickiness; that's probably a darn good ratio right there. Yeah. So something you can definitely live with uh, going forward. There, you said you're doing seven days now. Were there any mm-hmm. other stats you're debating, kind of playing around with this? Like, how deep do you plan on taking this thing? Um. So. I, with the seven days, I'm starting with just WRC plus kind of like I did here. And then I felt like I'd kind of venture into the same kinds of things. Um, Again, my main purpose of this was to make it not too complicated because I was Mm -hmm. trying to find something pretty easy for, you know, normal casual fans to kind of just glance at, like, you know, if they want to stream a picture and like you said, there's say there's three decent guys out there and they're like, I don't know who the hell to go with then like maybe this is something that they could just quickly check. And if any of them happen to be playing a team that meets these thresholds, then they know, you know, I should go with that guy. He's probably got the best shot. Um, so I'm trying not to make anything too, too complicated. 
Um, so yeah, I, I probably am going to stay around the same area. Um, when I posted this, I was kind of hoping I got a lot of good feedback. I was kind of hoping I get more, um, (laughs) criticism because I wanted to see if anyone had more, you know, better ideas or different thoughts on where to take this. Um, but shockingly, not really. (laughs) I mean, one person suggested using whip, which isn't a bad idea. And I'm probably going to look into that too. That's one thing I was going to ask. Did you, did you maybe think of using some of the pitchers analysis, not just the offense analysis in trying to establish like what pitchers maybe are on like a three or four start hot streak type thing? Yeah. Um, so I could do that. I haven't thought about it just because it would make the work a lot. It would, it would take a lot more work to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is like extra, like, you know, I'm not the biggest like Excel wizard out there or like, I don't know how to, you know, really pull data from websites quickly and stuff like that. So like, yeah, this, this take, <laughs> this took a lot of time. It's just me manually going through yep. everything via fan graphs. Isn't that fun? Um, uh, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I mean, as terms of pitchers, I mean, it's not a bad idea. I maybe I'll branch out into that and see what I get, but yeah, I mean, of, I mean, of course you would always love to go to the hot hand, yeah. Um, but I, you know, and too, like some of these guys, you know, as, as you're noticing, as you're going through them, like, it's funny, um, going through the last seven days that I'm currently working on for some reason, every time Ivan Nova plays a team that has been crappy the past seven days, he's pitched like a gen, <laughs> wow. but like, he's the most up and down player. So like, Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure if I'm looking at starts in between those, he's probably pitching like crap and, you know, that kind of like throws it out the window. So, um, you know, while looking at probably players that are hot and it's good to ride the hot hand, these guys are not owned for a reason. And I feel like that reason is just because they're super erratic. Yeah, that's what I was, was going to say is, you know, they say a, a, a sign of a good pitcher is a guy that can throw a very good start every two out of three starts. So yeah. like like aces like the Degroms of the world are like more like three four or five really good starts and they have, they still have blowups so yeah. it's it, it's the reality of the situation like you have your list you have your worst and your best but Ronaldo Lopez is on your your best at eight innings two earned ten games yeah we all know what else he can do you know how many blowups <laughs> he's had yeah exactly yeah. so exactly. it just gets goes to show that. It's a very volatile situation. Yes. Um, yeah, and I, I, like I said early on on this, I do like how you're trying to keep it simple. I really do like that. Like, I have a million different ideas on stats to use, but A, I don't know how to pull all that stuff. And B, it's just more just kind of like trying to nitpick on how to narrow it down more. But this works yeah. perfect for, for what it's necessary for because it's not like you're trying to find the next Jacob deGrom. You're trying to right. find the guy that's hopefully going to give you a quality start every once in a blue moon because you're not even going to use him every time. So. Yeah. Uh, I like that idea of it quite a bit. Um, the only like thing maybe is I wonder what the difference in like X Woba compared to regular Woba would have been stuff like that. The X stats to it, but that mm-hmm. just takes you down a whole nother rabbit hole. So yeah, that would be my question, but yeah. We'll see. Um, yeah. I mean, again, I, I'm <laughs> yeah, open I to suggestions and I will, but... I'll, I will expand as much as, uh, you know, as I can. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, if I, if I get like a good result quickly with, uh, the least amount of stuff going into it. Like, you know, that's what I, yeah. um, I'm probably going to stress more so than 
than anything. So and we'll I see what happens. Yeah, I don't blame <laughs> you for that at all. So I'm looking forward to seeing where this continues to go because I, I was really intrigued when we talked about your process last time and how you can use it for season long and it also translates to DFS and stuff like that. And this just gives another nugget to it. So I'm really uh, looking forward to that. But uh, let's – you do a lot of deep dives on pitchers. You tweet out a lot of awesome, like, um, stats with videos and GIFs and all that stuff. But one of your other recent articles is you wrote on the ledge pictures you aren't sure about. And it, it's, a, it's a really cool article because it's a lot of names that it's they're very polarizing names in fantasy. Like you either love them or you hate them. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think it's a really fun article just to kind of go over the guys. It's been out for a few weeks, so people should have read it by now. I'm not going to like steal the article here. But um, <laughs> let's go over some of these guys. And we'll start with Trevor Bauer. This is a guy that I think it's been beaten to death now. He had one phenomenal season, and then mm-hmm. the rest of it makes that one phenomenal season look like quite the outlier. But mm-hmm. people are still buying in. What did you see when you looked deeper into Trevor Bauer? Yeah, so it's funny. When I went into this, I actually liked him, and I wrote an article probably like two articles ago. I wrote about how I like him. <laughs> and But then I think I was looking at different things on him, and then when I started really diving in, I was like, wow, this is actually not going the way I thought it would go. And, you know, I think a lot of people like him because they still hold because he he did have that one amazing season and he's a big, you know, driveline guy, big analytic guy. Um, But I kind of think that hurts him because he tinkers too much. And, um, you know, maybe he's just trying to do so many different things and it's almost like a head game with him. And, um, you know, maybe that's what could be holding him back. But the main thing I, I found was his forcing fastball. Um, it's really never been a good pitch and his best year out of nowhere, it became an amazing pitch. And, um, you know, when you look at the ex Wobicon of it, it just doesn't make sense. Um, I could see it. I don't think it's going to be as bad as last year. It'll probably be a little bit better, but I think his success really relied on that forcing fastball in 2018, where it, it had its lowest ex Wobicon it ever had. Um, so relating that to, you know, his fastball, you know, his career fastball ex Wobicon average, I guess you would say it, it just, it just doesn't hold up right. So that worried me. Um, you know, that was like the first warning sign for me. Then, I mean, his other pitches are good. The curveball cutter is great. The, his slider was his best pitch. Um, it has been his best pitch for a long time, but it took a step back last year and uh, that was because he changed the velocity on it. He basically wasn't throwing it as fast, and it became more like a curveball instead of a slider, which can be fine, but, you know, he throws a curveball already. So I yeah. felt like hitters had a lot easier time with it, um, you know, and, and the stats were, you know, eye-popping. I mean, the batting average on it went from 117 to 186, and the WRC Plus went from negative 8 to 67. So – when you have a pitcher and his best pitch took a step back and then his worst pitch also took a step, even more of a step back. It's kind of worrisome that two pitchers are going in the wrong direction for him. Um, So I just kind of, I felt like maybe, you know, 2018 really was just an outlier and this is kind of who he is. And he just maybe isn't really that good. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm leaning too. He's just it's, not not that he's not yeah, but not that he's not good, but like he's not an ace. He's a little bit better than average. Yeah, he's a little better than average. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's going like I don't know what it is, top fifteen, top twenty, whatever it is, still this year. And I just I I don't get it because um, 
you know, I see these signs and I could be completely wrong. And I think he's a player that um, could win a lot of championships if he goes back to that 2018 season that he had. But, um, you know, with those warning signs, I'm just like, I ha- I would have to back out from him for this year. Yeah, a couple a couple of points you made there. I do agree that I think he's tinkering way too much. He's uh, He just can't live with a good thing. He's got to keep changing things around, and that could be a problem with a guy like Trevor Bauer. And the way things work in between his ears, it appears, that he really wants to kind of prove that he's as good as he is, I think that might have a lot to do with why his fastball is getting hit so much. I think he's trying to challenge guys more. I don't know. I haven't looked at yeah. the center plots. But I, I could see a guy like him being like, you know what? I'm better than this. I'm going to prove people wrong. And then here's another one on T for him. So um, mm-hmm. that that can get pretty ugly in those scenarios. So it, it's hard. I, I, I own no Bauer. He's the 27th pitcher off the board right now. But I'm pick 80 in NFBC drafts. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, just not a guy I can get behind. I'm 100% with you there. He's an interesting Twitter follow, but uh, not, quite <laughs> yeah, not, he is. not quite the guy you're looking for on your fantasy team. Um Let's head to Pittsburgh. This is a, guy, a team we've I've talked about many times on the show with the new regime there. They're going to embrace analytics, all these cool things. And you you broke down Chris Archer, who we saw do a nice uh, pitch mix change late in the season and really mm-hmm. got the strikeouts going again. Things looked a lot better with Chris Archer. The overall landscape of the season didn't look great, but we saw things kind of moving in the, the right direction possibly with Chris Archer. What did you see when you looked at him? Yeah, so, I mean, everyone knows. I mean, Archer has really good breaking balls. And, uh, you know, I kind of found some interesting stats that, you know, he hits the edge of the zone a lot. Um, You know, he's up there with some of the best. And when he does hit the zone, the edge of the zone, he has, you know, a super high K rate. And hopefully with the new regime there, they're going to be throwing more breaking balls. So the more breaking balls Chris Archer throws, probably the better. So that was, that was the first good sign. Um, the second good sign is kind of what you, what you touched on, and he made a pitch mix change. He has had this two-seam fastball, and it was absolutely terrible. Um, it put up a 201 WRC plus and a 14.6 barrel, which is absurd. Um, and he ditched it finally in the second half. And he had a much better second half because of it. And he kind of went back to the pitcher mix he had when he was a better pitcher in Tampa. So I'm kind of hoping, you know, he's someone that I want to kind of watch when the season starts to see what he does. I'm praying he doesn't go back to that two seam. (laughs) I do remember, I think I read somewhere that he said he was going to stay with the pitch mix he had back in Tampa, which I like. Um, So, I mean, if he does that and Pittsburgh is legit with what they're saying, you know, I think with with throwing break, more breaking balls, Chris Archer, Chris Archer <laughs> could finally uh, rebound a little bit. And, um, you know, that would turn out really well as well for obviously Musgrove and Keller and everyone else there too. So, so yeah, I happens. keep, I keep buying in because they're all going late. Like Archer's going around pick 252 yeah. right now. You know, Keller's going late Musgrove. Everyone's starting to get back on the Musgrove bandwagon, which should be mm-hmm. fun. Um, it'll be really interesting. But like I said, Archer's going around pick 252. He's going after guys like John Gray, Aaron Savale, Garrett Richards, Luke Casey. Do you see yourself taking an archer over any of those kind of guys? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, Luke Casey's interesting because he – I mean, it depends what you need at this point, really. I think Luke Casey is a pretty solid floor, whereas archers might be a little worse. But um, Chris Archer definitely has the most more upside there. And, uh, you know, everyone's talking about Luke Casey apparently looked 
you know, trying out a new pitch, but we don't even really know where he's at with that new pitch. Sometimes it takes him like two years to develop that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I love where he's going ADP wise. I love all the Pittsburgh pitchers. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm definitely going to have a lot of shares of all of them. And an interesting thing that with Luke Casey also, like you're saying, he's working on that new pitch. Sometimes it takes a couple of years. So if we get baseball this year, it's a shortened season. That's like le- even less time for him to kind of try to establish this pitch. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if I want to, like, I wasn't really drafting Luke Casey to begin with, but the people making the argument that he's developing that that new pitch. I don't know how good that argument's going to be. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I mean, we don't even know what it, if it's going to be good anyway. Like, people could yep. develop new pitchers, but it doesn't mean it's good. And um, I was actually listening to a podcast, I think it was Jeff Erickson was saying, which is pretty smart. Um, you know, again, these pitches take time to develop, and you got to look at Frankie Montas. I mean, his splitter, he actually developed it two years ago, but he didn't use it for an entire season because he didn't like the way it moved. He didn't know when to use it, how to use it, all that kind of stuff, and he figured it out, you know, during the season um, without throwing it in a single game, and it really took him time to develop it, and look what it did last year. So just because he's trying something out doesn't mean it's going to work. And I'm not really willing to bank on it where we have someone like Chris Archer right there who has the repertoire. You know, he is probably going to be throwing more breaking balls. He has that high upside. We've seen the high upside. So it's, you know, a better pick, I think. Yeah, no, confidence is a big thing. So that uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, let's go to your next guy because Masahiro Tanaka is someone that I bought into a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And I haven't bought into since. Let's put it that way. It's uh, It's getting really tricky with him. He eats yeah. up innings. He somehow at the end of the season, his numbers aren't horrific, but they're not what you'd want from Tanaka. But he's also not getting drafted super high anymore. But when you broke him down, did anything stand out to be like, you know what? I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> um, I'm actually going the opposite way. Like I yeah. kind of see, I don't think he's going to be an amazing pitcher. Um, but I think he's going to provide value for kind of like we were saying where his ADP is because he's going later in drafts. Uh, his, his splitter just wasn't the same most of the year, and he's come out and said it was the grip. And, you know, I, I believe him because, like I put in here, you know, last year none of his averages matched his career averages. And he um, later in the season his splitter became much better. And I actually put two video clips in because for some reason early in the season when he couldn't grip it, he basically wasn't getting a lot of vertical movement. Whereas later in the year where you, he you know, said he finally figured it out, you could tell the splitter moved completely different and his was kind of back to the way it was. And then plus you saw him pitch great in the playoffs. So he clearly figured it out. Um, it sounds like they're changing the ball back anyway, but – I just feel like that splitter is not going to be nearly as bad. So I think you're kind of getting somewhat of a bargain, but I definitely wouldn't expect him to like, you know, when you're your league or anything. Yeah. I, I, it sounded like they were changing the ball back, but then I laughed when Dan Heron comes out and tweets the other day. Well, we know how baseball handles problems like this. They want, they want fireworks. So expect the other ball to come back. I can see that too. Sadly. <laughs> That's but, true. Uh, I mean, yeah. but it seemed, again, yeah, it seemed like he figured it out. I mean, no, I'm with you, yeah. Splits, yeah, if you look at the splits on the pitch, it just – it was so much better, you know, the last couple of months of the season. And and Tanaka has some of the best command in the game. So, yep. um, you know, you can't really go against someone who knows how to control the strike zone. And I just 
you know, I could see him being like a, you know, right, right around like a four year a type guy and probably. Yeah. And that's, that's more the realistic approach. People for a couple of years are kind of drafting him more like the, you know, top starter like for the Yankees. Yeah. yeah. And now where he's getting drafted, he's a pick two Oh seven. He's going right after Stroman. Who's a lot of similarities there. Uh, Fulty, Heaney, Luke Weaver, right in front of Bundy, Musgrove, uh, James Hauser. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting group. There's like the young upside guys, or you got this veteran Tanaka who, yeah, smart pitcher. Yeah, that point's kind of like it depends what you need. Like if you have a risky type of rotation, then you go with the higher floor guys there. But if you, you know, if you have a solid uh, group of guys at that point, then you might as well go for the high up, high upside guys like Musgrove and them. Yep, definitely. Let's talk about a uh, guy that usually has a good floor. Rough start to last year. Figured it out in the second half. Um, kind of a trend here. But Miles Mikolas, this is a guy that I've had trouble buying in on because he just does, I, I like guys that strike people out. He doesn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he eats up innings as well, so he can accumulate strikeouts. And in a shortened season, innings eating, innings eating can be big. He's going around pick 284. Did you see something in Mikolas that made you kind of intrigued? Yeah, so I had him for his breakout season, so I kind of fell in love with him because of that. But, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, he didn't have an atrocious year last year. It was just not as good as everyone thought it would be. Um, he's does pitch for weak contact, but they have a great defense. Um, I mean, look at how Dakota Hudson did. So. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, the, the main issue was the slaughter just wasn't the same. And I noticed it was because the velocity dropped and, cha- and that, that changed the vertical movement of it. So I, I just think, you know, maybe if he picks the velocity back up on a slider, which he should be able to do, he still has, um, you know, a couple other decent pitches with his different fastballs that he throws. And, uh, you know, I, I will never – I don't see a sub-3 year a guy like he was in 2018, but I feel like he could definitely, um, you know, be in like the 3.75 range uh, if he gets that slider back. So I just kind of hope he throws it a little more, throws it a little faster, and we should see him having a little more success. Uh, the last guy I have is David Price, but I just want to kind of do a Dodgers question for you. Just get your thoughts on this. Sure. So they have, they have Alex Wood, who's going to be healthy now. He's been rising up ADPs. Obviously, you have Bueller and Kershaw. There's Urias, they have Stripling and May and Gonsolin. We know how they like to play games, but on a shortened season, they might not be as willing to because they need to actually win some games right away. How are you approaching Dodgers this year? Is it any different than you have before? Um, not really. I still kind of think they're going to hold their guys back. I mean, you're right. It's a shortened season. It, does, it will depend on what they kind of do. Um, but, I mean... I can see them limiting Urias and Wood. Like I feel like they're going to go five innings at most, and I think that hurts their value because, kind of like you said, you know, it's a shortened season, so you kind of want these guys to you want guys that go deep into games. And I just don't just because Wood with his injury history and Urias, they you know he's still young and didn't pitch a lot of innings last year, so I could see them letting them go like five at most, um, and then they're obviously going to you know sprinkle in may and stuff so i just kind of i'm actually going to kind of stay away from all of them except for like kershaw bueller and probably price i feel like they might let them you know i don't think they'll really put them on too big of a leash but um yeah i mean i'm staying away just because they're going to limit the innings and that could be big i mean um 
you know, I, I did, I wrote something recently actually about it, something like that. And, um, you know, last year in the second half, if you look at Bieber and Paxton, they both had the same amount of starts. I think Paxton had one less start, but when it came to innings, Paxton had like 40 less innings, which meant like 30 less strikeouts that you could have had if you had Bieber. So, um, you know, and they had similar K percentage too. So I thought it was a really good comparison and that's kind of what you got to look at. You know, you want these guys who are allowed to have high pitch counts and um, or are extremely efficient per inning when it comes to how many pitches they throw and they can make all the difference when it comes to counting stats. No, I'm 100% with you on that. With uh, When it comes to pitching, I'm looking for innings more than – like I don't want guys to blow up obviously, but usually if you're pitching innings, you're not blowing up. So I'm looking for guys to accumulate more. I'm not as heavy strikeout as I usually am where I can kind of figure it out. I want guys that are – that's why Kershaw moves up my list for me because I really do yeah. feel he's going to he, – he, unless he's having a bad day, he's going to go seven most days. That's just he's what he's really going to do, yeah. which is outstanding in this era because then it just helps with everything, your ratios, your counting stats. It's tremendous. Um, we'll talk about some bullpen questions with the listener questions that kind of might relate to that. But the, the other reason why the Dodgers were interesting to me is – if you look at the three-division setup, and we got time to break that down in, in the coming weeks, but Toby and I kind of started to looking at it this past episode, and um, the West is a phenomenal ground to pitch in. Like if, if you're especially in the NL West and you're the Dodgers, that's a, a quite the situation for you. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a weird season. Let's put it that way. Very, very Weird yeah. season. Yes, 100%. <laughs> uh, speaking of the shortened season, and I don't know if you've dug into this yet. Maybe you're waiting for the final answer. Like, I have a bunch of things I want to do. I've done some, but I'm, I'm still kind of holding back, waiting for the yes, we're doing this thing. Um, I don't know if you've done a lot into it, but are there any pitchers that kind of stand out to you that you, you kind of all of a sudden might like a little more than you thought you would have because of a shortened season? Yeah, so kind of like I said, I, I, I dive, dove into it a little bit. Um, looking at you know pitch counts and stuff and I felt like I was probably going to be lower than most on Bieber but Bieber and Verlander were the only two who had who were top 10 in most pitch counts per game and then they also had the fewest pitches per inning as well they were like in the top 10 for that category so I was a little hesitant on him just because of obviously the home run issue and He's got a lead command, but I was a little afraid. What if he loses the command? Then those home runs became, become more of an issue. But the, they let him go you know, far into games. He doesn't take a lot of pitches to get through the inning. So he was actually someone that I'm probably going to move up in my rankings and target a little more with a shortened season. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, a couple episodes ago, uh, I was sold on Bieber. So that I was, I've always kind of been anti-Bieber, but I've – I've slowly gotten better, and then when we really broke him down, a lot of things you just talked about go a long, long ways, especially on a season like this. I, I don't like how much he sits in the zone, but now his secondary pitches are becoming so much more effective. He uses that kind of okay fastball to get ahead in the count, and then he can just kind of take advantage of hitters. So that's kind of been the, the scenario that's helped a bit. Um, if they use the bouncy ball, it still can be dangerous with, with Bieber because he does get so much of the plate, and he gets hit very hard when he gets hit. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. But I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm moving Bieber up as well. Would you take Bieber over Verlander? Um, based on ADP, yes. Okay, cool. Um, let's do some listener questions because this could lead to some fun discussions here. We actually have a handful of them here. 
So we'll start it off with uh, Mike Carter at MDRC0508 or 0508. Um, first off, love the fun one here. Why don't you have a rubric for your whiskey? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I tweet out like basically every weekend I drink because I'm a, no, I'm not alcoholic, but um, no, you're, you're on, you're on been, quarantine. It's cool. And I've been giving just like, so I started giving rankings because I mm-hmm. was just, you know, but it's based off how much I like it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was like trying to tell, you know, I was trying to tell him because he actually asked me that question. I was like, I'm not like a connoisseur. Like, I don't know you know, different flavors and all these weird kind of things. Like, you know, I'm just like, eh, if it's good or not, like that's how I'm doing it. <laughs> nah, so. fine. I've been seeing you tweet out pictures of it and I was like, Hey, he's getting into it. A lot of guys are getting into the, the, the bourbons and stuff lately. So yep. it's been pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. interesting to see. It's starting to kind of come out a little bit. Yep. <laughs> and we're all growing up. Um, <laughs> now Mike's baseball question he has is, who are two guys that are now in your top 100 that weren't close to it a few months ago? So probably guys that changed with the circumstances. Who are guys that kind of stand out to you now? Yeah, so obviously I'm going to go with pitchers. is <laughs> yep. um, probably one of them. While I do think they're probably going to limit him as well, probably at about five innings, maybe six, um, you know, there's not going to be a, a cap anymore. So I think that just makes him a lot more valuable as opposed to where we're thinking like what at most 150 innings. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he can, you know, match everybody. Um, and you know, he's got electric stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I, he's been going, I think I had him around the outside of the top hundred and I'll probably be moving him in. Yeah. Uh, for me, I would say this is kind of the cop out answer, but it's, I didn't have him in the top 100 going into the regular season. And it will be Rich Hill now that he's healthy. I'm gonna yeah. I, I'm gonna bump him up. Yeah, it's, it's a cop out. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like so, I'll give a second one then. Um, uh, I'll go with uh, Spencer Howard. The fact that the okay. Phillies are actually gonna—they were saying in spring training they were pretty much gonna have a spot for him in the rotation by what they liked, and, and with the shortened season, they're gonna bring him in there. If he's if he's going out the gate, I, I like Spencer Howard in that Phillies rotation. So I, I will go with that route. Yeah, he's still like not that. super crazy priced. Yeah, he's still going around pick two ninety. So. I can go that mm-hmm. route. Nice. All right. He has one more question for us. Uh, what's your take on closers this year? Because this has been a fun discussion I've had with a few people, not just on the show, just in general. With this different format, I think closers might be approached a little differently. How are you going to approach closers this year? Um, so from a fantasy pers- perspective, um, see, the thing is, it, I feel like you go two ways. You can either go after those high-end guys because you know that they have the, their jobs um, but me personally, uh, I'm going to wait. I'm going to, um, I'm going to basically take the later tier guys. And, you know, it's just because there's so much turnover at that position as is. And I can't imagine a shortened season where every team wants to win as many games as possible right away. Cause I feel like if you waste draft capital on say a middle tier closer, they could easily lose it. All they got to do is blow two games. I feel like they could easily lose it because teams are going to ha- be a lot, you know, feel a lot more urgency. Um, so I feel like that's one way to look at it. Or you could also, which I probably would do too, is I might target teams that I know aren't going for it this year. Um, I feel like they'll be a lot more lenient on their relievers um, just because I guess they, I mean, as terrible as it is, you know, you've, they're probably not re- they already know that they're probably not going to compete um especially once the you know i'd say at like a month in or so 
Um, so maybe I look at guys like that, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, I'm just going to wait because it's volatile already. I think it's going to become even more volatile. And I think you could easily find guys stepping in to get more saves. Yeah. The way I've looked at it so far, it's kind of what you're going with, but I'd say either you go and you get two really good guys that are locked in because then you, you lock it in. You're not playing the half in half out game where you mm-hmm. take one and then pray a long shot guy. And then you're still fighting the long shot guy. Either go get two and, and you're good. Or if you wait, I would get like three or maybe even four. If you're feeling instead of grabbing like that seven yeah. starting pitcher, go grab another reliever, like just yeah. load up your bullpen. Because like you said, as a lot of starters aren't going to go deep into games early. So maybe early in the season, you have like four relievers in your lineup. Like that's cool. Yeah. Like run with it, see what happens. Right. Um, so that'd be kind of my approach. Either go quantity or go quality would be kind of my angle at it. Or um, I, I just love the concept once he talked to me about it and then wrote the article for Rotobar, J.B. Branson's uh, Franken reliever or whatever. He, I can't even think about it. Franken ace is what he called it. It's two guys like a, like a Seth Lugo and another setup type guy. They basically give you the amount of innings of one starter in a week, but the ratios are great. The strikeouts are great, and they might sneak in some wins. That's another angle to go for. So different ways to yeah, go about it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you could go about it so many different ways. Um, yeah. So on this it's going to be, be really interesting. interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, Heath Caps, good old Heath Caps, has a question for us. He says, a lot to talk about which hitters benefit from the universal DH, but any pitchers, we know it's been a discussion. Rob Silver stirred the pot a while back, and everyone's kind of, Talking about it, uh, are there any pitchers who benefit or suffer in a significant or obvious way to, due to division realignment and or universal DH? He feels lazy asking it because he hasn't done the legwork, but you asked <laughs> me to ask questions, so he's asking. Um, is there anybody that stands out to you yet? I know if you haven't done the, the three-division analysis, I get it. We kind of talked talked about it last episode, but uh, it's still – we don't know what the teams are going to do. Yeah, I mean, I haven't looked into it too much because um, I was kind of waiting to see if that was actually going to be a thing or not. But, um, I mean, obviously everyone's going to kind of just automatically think NL player. I mean, NL pitchers who were in the NL just because now they don't have that easy out with a pitcher. Um, but I can't see it affecting them too much. Um, I'd have to really look at the divisions again. Yeah. What do you? It's it's a, it's a big part to it. For me, I want um, either AL or NL West pitchers, and obviously not on the bad teams, but like the Dodgers are going to have it pretty easy. Uh, the Astros pitchers are going to have it pretty easy. You can look at, uh, say, the A's in that ballpark and everything could have it pretty easy. So there, there's scenarios there I like a lot. And then even like the NL Central can be very interesting because you're still getting to play the AL Central a couple times, those bottom feeders there. Plus um, the rest of the NL Central can be very hot and cold. So that can be an interesting way to go about it if you're looking for benefactors. Uh, the guys that are going to struggle a ton, just stay away from the Orioles. Just simple. I didn't need the, we didn't need realignment for that, but uh, that'll just tell you <laughs> when you're facing when you're facing the AL East for two thirds of your games and then the NL East for the other third. Terrifying. So uh, yeah. run for the hills there. That's my yeah. Idea. You know, what? I'm glancing at the West, and you're right. I feel like it's kind of uh, I feel like it's pretty top heavy, honestly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a lot of questions with a lot of those offenses right there. Yeah, like the the central's interesting because the AL Central you have you do have the Tigers and the Royals, but then you have the the White Sox, Twins, and the Indians, their offenses aren't horrible. So it's one of those like they could run cold and you do well, but it's not as locked in as some other ones. But the the Twins and the Indians could have some strong pitching options as well. 
Yeah, yeah. The Central's um yeah, I, I agree. I feel like the Central could be really tough or it could kind of be easy as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of no, depends good. what goes on there. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I I agree with you on that right there. And that's what's gonna be so tough about this is because usually you know you have a balanced schedule. Well, definitely no balanced schedule this year. So that will yeah, right. change no things doubt. tremendously. Yep. Um Nick Petru seventy five has a question for us. Have you guys found any luck with punting categories? If so, which punting categories were you more successful with? FYI, he's in two leagues. In one, he's punting stolen bases. The other, the, he's using the Marmol strategy, punting mm-hmm. wins and Ks, but has top relievers, kind of what we talked about earlier. So have you had any luck punting stats? If so, which ones? Um, so if we're t- talking Roto, I actually I have punted saves. Um, where I This was a full season, though. Um where I mean, not you know, it depends what you consider punting, but um, I basically just drafted a bunch of like eighth inning guys and worked the wire, and it did work out for me. Uh, I think I mean I didn't win, but I haven't won, but I've you know come close to winning doing that. Um, if you're in a categories league, like head to head, it's a little different. I punt all the time in those leagues, and it always works out just fine. <laughs> um, I've punted bags, I've punted you know, saves as well. But for Roto, I, I have tried it. It is hard and um, you do have to make up a lot of grounds and it is a little challenging to kind of keep grinding and kind of climb your way up in that category as the season goes on. Um, but I, I do think it is possible if you're trying to win an overall like NFBC, it's not, I don't think it's possible. Though. And that, that's the biggest takeaway. We've There's been a lot of people asking that question lately. If you're just in like a standalone league, roto wise, yeah. If you want to punt yeah, saves possible. or steals, that de- definitely possible. I wouldn't punt more than one. I've heard guys yeah. that can punt two and make it work, but you're really playing with fire there. But uh, yeah, if you want the overall, you got to place high in all of them. So you you yeah. can't do it in that scenario. And then you you made a good point there because I don't think there's enough head to head talk out there. Because personally, I like roto over head to head, but there's a lot of head to head out there, and you can definitely punt away there. You can easily because. Oh, yeah. In theory, if there's say nine categories on the line, you just have to win five of them. So you can you really don't have to focus too much yep. on it all, depending on your overall standing. So you can go crazy there if you want to. Yeah, and the other part is question. I'm not a marmal strategy guy. I I've tried it before. I've seen people try, and I just feel like the really good teams will just beat you out every time. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough if you you need to have a a couple pretty solid starters out there to do the rest. I feel like you got to get, I feel like you definitely got to get lucky. Yes. You have to hit the right, the right relievers to make that work. Mm -hmm. Um, Bruce Cagle has a question. Where's BCR or BCJR fantasy. How do you go about building a staff in a league like NFBC, no trades and weekly pitching versus a daily league where you can stream a lot. And that's a good question as the SP streamer. How do you go about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I like to try and go with a lot more higher floor guys, obviously, or and healthy pitching as well. Um, you know, if you, you know, if you can't move people around a lot, you're going to need really quality guys there and guys that you can rely on. So I would definitely stress pitching more. Um, you know, where you can't really stream as opposed to daily. Like I feel like you could just get a solid couple core guys, and then you could just draft offense and grab some crappy guys at the end and just play matchups all year. 100% agree. On the daily moves league, just make sure you have a couple stable guys that you're never going to take out of the, the lineup, and then you can play the game all day long. Yeah. Uh, but in, in the weekly formats, you need to have a stable core 
that you can just fluctuate a little bit at the end. Otherwise, you're never going to make it work. It's going to be too challenging for you. Um, a non-fantasy question, Doug Basinski asks, with teams like the A's and Angels letting people and scouts go, players go, all that fun stuff, um, important parts of building a team, how do you think that affects how you're going to evaluate players from those squads? A loaded question. Repeat, repeat that one more time because I with, can't find it, so I'm yeah, just listening. With some <laughs> teams like the A's and Angels letting people and letting scouts go, yeah. can another team get better player development and scouting? Important part of building a team. So basically, do you think teams will get better because they are taking advantage, like grabbing these people? Or my, my way of looking at it is these teams that are letting people go, are you going to be more concerned about their player development looking at their players to draft? Um, I mean, weirdly enough, I was going to say no because I trust everything that athletics do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like they always come out, you know, they're kind of like the Rays, you know, they don't have a big budget and they just kind of know how to work around things and how to do things. Um, I don't think it really would affect my view on anyone personally. Yeah, sadly, that's how I am too. Like, I hate what they're doing, but uh, for the yeah, fantasy aspect right. of it, yeah, <laughs> fantasy aspect of it, I wouldn't look too deep into it now because, in reality, when they need these guys, they're going to pay and get guys back, and it'll be pretty much business as usual. Yeah, uh, a couple more, more questions here. Dave Swan at Davithis. That's how I always say. It. I probably mispronounce it. Um, could a, a relief pitcher finish twenty twenty with the most wins? And this is funny because we talked about. Some starters not going long, so you'll have some relievers filling in, and they can pick up the wins. I don't foresee. I could. I still see some of these big starters getting it, but yeah. in a shortened season, maybe they're only getting twenty starts now, or even less, sixteen starts. Uh, do you see a reliever maybe getting eight or nine wins in a shortened season like this? Basically, I just don't. I. I mean, not only that, I just. I feel like there's always those pitchers who, you know, especially start off hot and they just get like a quick like a quick eight, nine wins, kind of like, you know, Herman kind of did it last year. Um, so I kind I feel like you're going to have a starter doing that. And I just don't see a reliever matching that. But what I can see is I could see a reliever potentially maybe winning a Cy Young. That would not surprise me. I like that call. That's really Cause interesting. Because think about, it, um, but, you know, if they yeah. never blow a save and they, you know, I mean, guys go on crazy runs and, you know, if, you know, whether it's a first half or second half. And, um, I mean, anything's possible right now. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. Say say he makes like 30 appearances and saves 26 games with like a 1-1 one, one ERA or something. Yeah, there's there's ways this could work. You're, you are yeah. yeah, we had um, – I had Alex Fast in my podcast, and he was kind of bringing it up too. And I was like thinking about it. I was like, yeah, he's, he's right. I mean, it just mm-hmm. – they just got to go on a hot run, and it could – definitely easily happen which would would be pretty cool <laughs> oh it would be so fitting for the craziness of the season let's just yeah. get weird with it yep. well catchers win mvp awards and we'll have relief <laughs> like, it's just gonna be fun like that exactly um last listener question we have here will garofalo asks under the proposed short season if you had to pick one starting pitcher you think you'd stream often who would it be <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw that and I was like, I don't know how to answer this because I feel like I, it would just be like some of my favorite sleepers for this year. Yeah, right? pretty like, much. I mean, I mean I, I've been pretty big on like, you know, Turnbull and uh, I think Trent Thorne's got some stuff there, Dale Norris. Like I, I just feel like I would just, you know, I'm going to be looking at my deep sleeper guys a lot um, and streaming them as often as possible, obviously, as long as they got good matchups. 
Um, so, I mean, it's kind of hard for me to answer that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a loaded question when we don't even know when the season's going to start. But uh, I think guys like – you're right, though, like guys like Turnbull, Thornton, those are popular names. Like even, you know, Drew Smiley maybe facing the Padres yes. in San Francisco, guys like that that can benefit yes. that. You're, you don't really want to draft, but you can see yourself maybe four or five times this year picking them up the pitch. Like that's yeah. very doable. So 100%. Uh, I'm with you 100% on that one. But, Mr. Michael, Mr. SP Streamer, that's going to wrap us up on this episode. Why don't you let everybody know what you got going on, where they can find you, all that good stuff. Yeah, so uh, everything's kind of the same name. Uh, at Twitter, you can find me at SP Streamer. Uh, website's SPStreamer.com. And podcast is SP Streamer Podcast. <laughs> Makes it easy. I like it. Keep it yep. simple. So everyone yep. can find you in one spot. But, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Uh, it's always been. It's always a pleasure chatting with you, talking some baseball. Hopefully next time we chat, we'll be actually having some games and some analysis to break down. But it is fun kind of uh, getting the gears going, hopefully. I, I feel like they, they have to make an agreement eventually. They have to figure something out. I know it's so far away, but they have to do it. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, we, we will see how that goes. But yes. uh, thanks for joining me again, and I can't wait to do it again next time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, anytime. I, I love coming on your podcast. So. No problem. Everybody, this is Bench with Bub, episode 290 with Michael Simeone, the SP streamer. Catch you guys later. <laughs> <laughs>